Your models, please. And turn to Psalm 139. And let's look the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can say, uh, if we know the Saviour, that in our heart there rings a melody. Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, you give us joy in our hearts because we know the Saviour. And we pray that today as we come to fellowship around your word, that, Lord, we would uh, lift up your holy name. pray that you would be exalted and you would be praised. Pray that we'd learn of you and learn from you. And, Father, today your word would be a blessing unto our hearts. Lord, give me wisdom as your servant to have clarity of speech, clarity of thought, and that, Father God, I would speak that which you would have me to say, and that, Lord, through your word, we would receive a blessing today. And guide now as we spend the time in your word. May you get all the praise and all the glory. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, study of the character of God, we have been looking at God's attributes and last week we started to look at the second of God's omni-attributes. We started to study God's omnipresence. And we saw last week a definition of omnipresence, and then we saw omnipresence illustrated here in Psalm 139. And we noted that David illustrates God's omnipresence in three ways. And the first of those ways we saw last week, he says, no flight can remove us from God's presence in verses 7 and 8. It says, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there, and make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. There is nowhere that you and I can flee from the presence of God. Today we want to look at the last two of these illustrations of God's omnipresence, as found here in Psalm 139, verses 8. Through, uh, sorry, verses 9 through 12. Firstly, we want to note that no distance can hide us from God's presence. No distance can hide us from God's presence in verses 9 and 10. If I take the winds of morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Here the psalmist David takes the time to remind us that there is no use trying to hide in secret places to avoid the sight of God. Because he says, firstly, even if I take the wings of the morning, God is there. Now David proposes here that even if we took the fastest of all the flights that you and I could take to the uttermost parts of the earth, if you and I could fly away to places of the farthest distance you and I could go from the presence of God, we could not escape his presence. Barnes explains it this way, he says, The wings of the morning evidently mean that by which the light of the morning streams to fly, seems to fly and the most rapid object known to us. This wings of the morning refers to the speed of light, particularly as it fills the morning sky from the east to the west. As the sun rises in the east and the sunlight starts to move across towards the west, the speed at which that sunlight moves, the speed of light, is what is meant here in verse 9, if I take the wings of morning. The word render it, render morning refers to the dawn. 
to the daybreak, to the first beams of the morning light. Now the beams of light are in fact no swifter in the morning than they are at any other time of the day. They just seem swifter because they quickly penetrate the darkness. The darkness flees away quickly in the presence of the daylight of the dawn. Someone has said the wings of the dawn is a dynamic metaphor for the light of the sun flying over the horizon. The inconceivable speed of light would utterly fail if employed in the flying from God. If I put the wings of the light on my back and flew with the scattering darkness before me, God would still be with me. The fact of the matter is there is nowhere that you and I can go where God is not able to pursue us. There's nowhere that you and I could go where God would not be able to be with us. Even if you and I could fly at the speed of light, you and I could not outrun the presence of God. Because instantaneously, as you and I flee at the speed of light, God is with us. Even if we could fly at the speed of life and instantaneously we could, you and I could be over the sea, beyond the remotest border, God would still be there. He is omnipresent. Another commentator said, if I could fly with all swiftness and find habitation where space probes have not yet been, I could not reach the boundaries of the divine presence. If we went into the uncharted regions of space or the great sea, we'd find God's presence already there waiting for us. We cannot escape the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but I for one am glad that I can't. I'm glad that I cannot take the wings of the morning and escape from the presence of God. I'm glad that there's nowhere that, you, that I can run where God is not. I'm glad that there's nowhere that I can fly where God is not. I am so glad that I can't find a place where God does not exist. I'm glad that God's presence is always with me. I mean, isn't Matthew 28, 20 a comfort to you and I? And lo, I am with you always. And Hebrews 13, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's a joy to know, it's a comfort to know as believers that God is everywhere. It doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter what we do, it doesn't matter where we go, God is there. You and I cannot outrun him. You and I cannot take the wings of the morning and get away from him. Because as David says, no distance can hide us from God's presence. Because even if we could take the wings of the morning, God is there. And secondly, no distance can hide us from God's presence because if we dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, God is there. Look in verse 9 again. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. The sea in scripture is often used to speak of the west. From the Mediterranean Sea is to the west of the land of Palestine. And so it's as if you could fly towards the west and keep on going as far as the west would take you. Barnes says this, this speaks of the most distant isles of it in the farthest parts of the world, the sea being supposed to be the boundary of it, even if you and I could fly to the most distant part of the sea or the most distant part of the land, God is 
there. Doesn't matter where you and I go on land or sea, doesn't matter whether you and I go to space or into the oceans, God is there. If we make our abode in heaven, he's there. If we make our abode in hell, he's there. It doesn't matter where we are, God is there. We can never, ever get to a place where God does not exist. The story is told of the first century battalion of Roman soldiers involved in a war. In the process of pursuing the enemy, they moved into what was then unknown territory. The map makers of that era designated the lands beyond their own journeyings by drawing dragons and sea monsters in those areas. This showed the uncharted territories could be frightening and life-threatening. The commander of the battalion was unsure whether to forge ahead into what might be danger so, or, or turn back to what was familiar land, which would mean a retreat. So he sent a dispatch to Rome with the following urgent message. Please send new orders. We've marched off the map. You know, the psalmist reminds us that wherever we go, we can never march off the map as far as God is concerned. The map will never be too small. God is everywhere. As a child of the Heavenly Father, we can never find ourselves in uncharted waters. God has already been there. Wherever we are, God has already gone. And therefore, He can lovingly guide you and I, if we'll let Him, even in those areas that seem uncharted to us, because God is everywhere. I mean, that's a wonderful comfort, isn't it? No matter where you and I go, you and I face daily uh, situations which often are uncharted waters, places where you and I have never been, things we've never, you and I have counted. And yet, you and I do not have anything to fear because God is already there. You and I can never find ourselves in a situation whereby we are alone because God is there. The unknown is already known to God. And David adds to this reassuring of us, not being able to escape from the presence of God, that you and I cannot find any distance to hide from him. In verse 10, where he adds that wherever we may go, God is there to lead us and hold us. Look at verse 10. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. It was assured of God's continuance, continuous presence, God's constant abiding with him, the constant presence of God's hand of love, the constant presence of God's hand of care, that hand that meant that nothing could separate David from his God, nothing can separate us from our God. So even if you and I could take the wings of the morning and we drill in the other parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. You and I cannot be separated from the presence of God. His hand will lead us. The Apostle Paul wrote something similar in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And verse 38. 
She says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from God. Wherever we go, God's hand will lead us. Wherever we go, God's hand can lead us. If we'll only let him. Because God's already there. Isn't that what his psalmist says in Psalm 23? Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3. Psalm we know well. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leadeth me. Wherever we go, whatever we do, God's hand will lead us. And he goes on in verse 10 and he says, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. The right hand speaks of the hand of skill or the hand of strength. This is God's hand of strength that's speaking of, the power of, the, of God. The hand of God being able to lead us. The hand of God being able to hold us. So he says, not only does his hand lead us, but now he tells us that our right hand shall hold me. So not only are we going to go into places that we may not know, God is already there. And you and I may go going into the unknown that God will lead us there. But God not only leads us there, but he takes hold of our hand and walks with us there. This is the hand of strength, the hand of skill. Matthew Henry said, Thy right hand hold me means that I can go no further, that I cannot go out of thy reach. So that when you and I do a venture into the unknown, so to speak, you and I are held by God's right hand, and you and I can never get out of his reach. Not only is his presence there with us, not only does he lead us, but God holds on to us so that we can never get out of his reach. We can never, ever leave his side. And I am with you always, even at the end of the world. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that loves us. He holds us and never lets us go. There's nowhere that God cannot lead us. There's nowhere that God will lead us where he does not hold us. We are safe in his hands. We're never out of his reach. You know, the word hold here means to grasp. It carries the idea with it, the sense of helping and sustaining. We're assured here that God holds us no matter what may come. That as you and I walk forward in life, that as you and I end, end uh, endeavor to serve him as you and I go forth and go to places that you and I may not know. God will sustain us. God will help us through life. And that's a comfort to know. It's a joy to know that as believers, no matter where we go, God is already there. We can't outrun him. We can't 
find distance and get away from him. We can't take the wings of the morning. We can't even fly at the speed of light and get out of his presence, even though we'd want to, even if we'd wanted to. Not that we would want to. But he's already there. But more than that, he will lead you and I wherever we have to go. And he holds us. You know what he says in Psalm 23 again? Yea, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God's with us wherever we go. We can rest in his presence. You know, life does not hold any surprises to God. You and I might get surprised. In fact, we often do get surprised by life, don't we? Things happen that we don't expect. Some good things happen that we don't expect. Some not-so-good things happen that we don't expect. We find ourselves in situations whereby we can turn around to somebody else and say, well, I never saw that coming. But you know, that was not the case with God. There is nothing that happens that God does not already know which is his omniscience. But there's nothing that happens that God's already there. That's his omnipresence. And so Psalm 139 verse 10 means that when we think we are flying from God by going from one place to another, that what we're really doing is simply fleeing from one hand of God to another hand of God. Because his hand leads us, his hand holds us, you and I can't get away from him. And for you and I as believers, that is a comfort. No path is unknown to him. No circumstance is unsettling to him. Therefore, you and I can have full assurance that where he leads us, we can follow. Whether the way is marked by calm waters or by a raging storm, it doesn't matter. Because God is there. Didn't the disciples find that in the middle of the Sea of Galilee? They were in the boat one night. A storm got up and Jesus is asleep in the boat. And the disciples got up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he stood up and he calmed the wind of the sea. And called them, told them they had little faith. They should have known that if the Master's in the boat, no storm is too great. If Christ is asleep in the midst of a storm, it tells you the storm is nothing to worry about, doesn't it? Well, if the Lord is holding us in his right hand, in the midst of whatever circumstance life might throw at us, then there's nothing to fear. Because God will sustain us. God will lead us. Because God is already there. So no distance... There is no distance where you and I can flee from the presence of God. No flight can remove us from God's presence and no distance can hide us from God's presence. And finally, David says, no veil can hide us from God's presence. No veil. Look at verse 11 and 12. So if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. 
You know, David has said to you and I that we cannot escape geographically from God. There's nowhere that we can run, nowhere we can fly away from the presence of God. And now he says trying to hide in the darkness doesn't work either. So we can't flee from God, we can't run from God, we can't even travel at the light of speed and outrun God. But we can't even hide in the darkness from God. Because God is always with us. No matter where we go, even in the darkness, we will run into the Lord. There's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide, for God is even in the darkness. In Psalm 139, verses 11 and 12, David uses the figures of darkness and light to show just how impossible it is to hide from God. If you and I aren't already convinced, if everything he's said in verses 7 through 10 haven't convinced us that we can't run, we can't hide from God at all, then he sums it up in these two verses. He explains just how ridiculous it is to try and escape the presence of God. Because it's impossible to hide from him. David says here, if we seek to find refuge in darkness of the night so that God would not see us, even the night shall be light about me. That's what he says in verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. The good news is that God shines even in darkness. That if you and I are in the darkness, God still shines in the midst of the darkness. No matter how dark the day gets, no matter how discouraging the day gets, no matter how hard life may get, God's light still shines. The darkness never overcomes God's light. The word cover here in verse uh, 11, I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. The word cover here indicates some peril that could separate us from God. The idea is that think of something that you think may well separate you from God and that thing will not separate us from God. The word cover means to overwhelm or to conceal that something may overwhelm us so much so that that conceals us from God. Somebody said, dense darkness may oppress me. And those who love darkness rather than light may abound, but it cannot shut me out from God or God from me. God sees as well without light as with it since he is not dependent upon light to see. Whatever gloom or evil has shut me up, God is there. If the darkness be light to God, how great is the light in which we dwell. You and I dwell in his light. And if his light shines brightly in darkness, then how bright is the light that you and I stand in? See, the fact is, darkness may make things dark to us, but not to God. 
whatever that darkness may be. There are times in our life, aren't there, where things seem really dark. Things are really depressing. Things just seem like there's no solution. It seems like there's no end, that you and I are in this dark valley. We're in the midst of a storm that just never seems to want to end. It seems like everything's overwhelming us. And whatever that darkness be, whether it be a disappointment, whether it be a bereavement, whether it be trouble, whether it be a care, whether it be a loss, whatever the darkness is that is infecting our souls, whatever the darkness is that is weighing heavy upon us, whatever the darkness is that's covering us, whatever the darkness is that's overwhelming us, concealing us, all is light to God. It's not darkness to him. God sees it clearly. God knows what we're going through. He knows the situation. He knows the circumstance. He knows our state, our condition. He knows all the things that we're encountering. He knows the feelings going on in our hearts. He knows the darkness is overwhelming us because God sees as clearly in the darkness as he does in the day and nothing is hid from him. And he's there in the midst of the darkness. For he sees the reason for it all. God knows why we're going through what we're going through. He knows why he allowed that to happen. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. God knows why he is allowing us to go through what we're going through. God's presence is like a constant light in darkness. You know, some children are afraid of the night and you turn the light up at night and they don't like the darkness and so they have a night light in their room to comfort them. It's a poor illustration but it's a bit like that. God in the midst of the darkness is like a night light in the midst of the darkness. His light shines as bright and dark as it does in the daylight. The same God who leads us when things are going well, when things are, are rejo- we're rejoicing, when the blessings are flowing, when you and I are on top of it and spiritually we're on cloud nine and we're just enjoying our life for the Lord and the blessings of God. God is as equally with us there as he is when you and I seem to be in the darkest of valleys, in the deepest of misery, in, the, in the, uh, this terrible storm that seems to be no end. God is just as bright in those circumstances as he is in the light circumstances because God is there. Look in Job 34, please. Job 34. Job 34 and verse 21. Job says this. It says, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves, for he will not lay upon man more than right, that he should enter into judgment with God. His eyes are upon the ways of man, he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness where we can hide. 
Now, in this case, it's talking about judgment. But the sentiment's true. There's nothing. There's nowhere we can hide from God. God. Darkness cannot hide us from him because God is omnipresent. No matter where we are, no matter where we go, God sees. And this is a blessed thought as we live in a dark world. Go with me to Isaiah, please. Isaiah, chapter 50. Isaiah 50 and verse 10. Isaiah says this, he says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servants, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. We're told to trust in the Lord and stay upon God. We can trust God even in the darkness. And then in Psalm 139, verse 12, we read, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness as the light are both alike to thee. So this teaches us that we cannot hide in the darkness of night, nor in the darkness of evil from God. The darkness veils nothing from God. God sees it all. He sees all of our troubles. He sees all of our discouragements he sees all our disappointments he sees all our trials but he also sees all of our wickedness he sees all of our behavior he knows everything about us we can't hide in the cover of sin the darkness of evil from god and commentary says it's not a medium of concealment in any degree whatsoever night is but another form of day to god this will either fill one with joyful praise that he cannot be hidden from God or with anger that he cannot be shaken. To yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are alike both to thee. Can't hide no matter what from God. God is everywhere. And you and I will run into him wherever we go. Even if we turn our back upon God and we start to run after wickedness and start to live like the world, God is still there. We can't outrun God. In fact, he says in verse 12b, he says, The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. This is not what went before. It most emphatically removes the faintest idea that you and I can hide under the cover of night, under the cover of darkness from God. Darkness may indeed conceal us, one commentator said, and our deeds from the sight of men. But the divine presence, like that of the sun, turns night into day and makes all things manifest before God. God sees all things. He sees the good and the bad. He sees all things. We cannot hide from him in darkness. And we can't hide our sin from him. He sees it. He knows it. He knows what we're going through. You and I might be able to conceal it from other people. We might be able to uh, fool other people. But God sees all that we do. There's nothing that we can do in darkness whereby God does not see it. For darkness is light unto him. He sees all things. God is in all places. 
at all times. And nothing can keep us from his omnipresence. The commentator Gill said, The day gives him no more light than the night, and the night no more darkness than the day. He sees as well and as clearly and distinctly in one as in the other. You see, there is no presence, there is no guidance, there is no protection beyond God. But you and I cannot get in any place where God's presence, protection and guidance is not. God's everywhere. He sees all. He knows all. Because God is present with us. It makes no difference where we are or where we go. God is there. You know, there's great comfort in knowing we have an omnipresent God. God is in the jungles of Africa as much as he's in the jungle, concrete jungles of Australia. But more than that, not only is God everywhere present, God desires to walk with us, God desires to guide us in all those places that God is. Because he wants the very best for us. You see, it's more than the fact that God is there. When you and I go somewhere, whatever you and I do, wherever you and I be, God is already there. We can't outrun him. We can't hide from him. And we can't even hide in the darkness from him. But God wants more than that. God doesn't just want us to know that he's there, but God wants to lead us. God wants to hold us by his hand and lead us in those places, in those paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. The truth is, beloved, we all need God's presence. If you and I are to fulfill his purposes. You and I need God's presence with us if we're to experience his love day by day. We need God to lead us. To guide us. To hold us in his hand. I'm making a brief Christmas address to the people of the British Empire in 1939, King George VI spoke of his faith in God's leading. World War II had begun. The great and Great Britain faced the onslaughts of Hitler's military barrage called the Blitzkrieg. The king spoke to the people on that Christmas day. He concluded his remarks with these lines written by a lady by the name of Minnie Louise Haskins. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And then the king added these words. He said, go out in the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than the light and safer than a known way. Putting your hand in the hand of God is better than a known light and safer than a known way. Like Great Britain back in 1939, each of us daily faces a changing and unknown future. But Father, we'd have nothing to fear. For we have someone to guide us, even in the darkest night. That's why the psalmist could say what the psalmist said in Psalm 139. 
God's presence enables us to face tomorrow. And we can face tomorrow with complete confidence because God is already there. God forgives the past, controls the present, and holds the future in the palm of his hand. Therefore, we should put our hand in his hand and let him hold us and let him lead us. The early Puritans had a way of seeing God in everything and practicing the presence of God. Every time they saw a flower, they said something like, My, what a beautiful work of creation. Oh, Lord, thank you for giving such a perfume to that flower for me to enjoy. They lived as though he was standing beside them in the flesh. And the truth is, beloved, God is next to us. God is not just a God who's out there in the universe who's watching us. Our God is a God who is present with us, leading us, going before us, holding us in his hand. Let's give thanks today that we have an omnipresent God. Put our lives in his hand. Let him lead us into the future. Know that he holds the future in his hand. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that you are an omnipresent God. We thank you there is nowhere that we can flee from you. There is nowhere that we can hide from you. There is no darkness where you're not light. We thank you, Father God, that you want to lead us and allow us to put our hand in your hand and let you lead us, Father God, in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, commend your word to our hearts this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.